I hit play. Yes. Now what do we do? <laughs> so hit play. So it's fucking Christ. Jesus H salad. <laughs> All right. Big potato. Big potato. No. Like, yeah, that's what it's supposed to be. Yeah. <laughs> God damn it. I put it in there. I put it in there. Let's go, you piece of shit. Well, closing and opening again, right? That's the old the old adage. Yep. Right, here we go. That's how I built my fortune. Really? Fucking nothing, huh? How about you? All right, you work. You work over there. Uh, All right, well. As a placeholder. (laughs) (laughs) We got to get in the mood. (laughs) Yeah, because even if you just edit it in later and cut all this other shit. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, we have this song. I'm not going to not listen to the song. Right. I had my, a man that got so mad at me because <laughs> I was singing <laughs> it to her. And then she, then she started singing. I was like, oh, you asshole, you got it in my head. <laughs> she learned all the words already? All of them. that it's like all right just say just try to recreate that again but in a different voice <laughs> <laughs> welcome to baked potatoes it's the first time uh we have our theme i don't know if we had the name i think we said the name in at least one of the beginning earlier episodes four months ago <laughs> yeah I don't, I don't remember either but hi everyone uh, I'm yeah, Chris. hello and i'm charlie and uh Pretty much the same show as the other show. I don't know stuff, and I ask you to tell me about stuff, and then you do. And right. I take your word as gospel. That's right. Sometimes I'm wrong. Sometimes I'm close. I, I like to I like <laughs> to think I'm mostly right, but I don't know. You tell me. 
<laughs> I'm gonna start saying that to people. I'm be like, hey, listen, man. Sometimes I'm wrong, and sometimes I'm close. Then <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're not wrong. Just for saying that. Uh, yeah. Tonight, yeah, we're gonna be discussing ten Mick Foley matches you need to see. Uh, we found another video from a, uh, apparently there's more than one British guy that likes, uh, professional wrestling. Yeah. At least there's two, at least there's two. <laughs> two that we can be, we can account for. Yeah. There's def- definitely two. You know <laughs> and Drew McIntyre, I guess he might be Scottish, but. Well, if, if we, if we broadened it to United Kingdom. Okay. We expanded Perhaps. it to uni- we ex- if we expanded to the full UK, we're up to three wrestling three. people at least. <laughs> it was just those three guys. Every time there's an event overseas, they just buy out all the seats. <laughs> <laughs> None of it. you fucking lot are allowed in here, right? Yeah, they love it. <laughs> all right. Uh, that's, that's, that was stupid. So Mick. F- <laughs> yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so is, isn't everything we've done the entire time and posted? <laughs> oh yeah, no, stupid's not a negative. I'm not. I'm not oh. saying anything bad about it. Oh okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> I mean. will come in here. I will come in here and stick down for us. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's what you're in for. If you're listening to this show, we're going to talk about nerdy things, be dumb about it, and. Uh, We'll try to make you laugh and try to give some info if you care about the topic at hand. If you care. Yeah. If you care. Uh, my first knowledge of Mick Foley was WWE. Not for nothing? Same. Okay. Yeah, I did not. I, I wasn't a WCW guy just because I didn't know what friggin' channel it was on. I didn't know a lot was, about it. Yeah, I, I always, like, I feel like... I initially assumed out of the gate he was part of the ECW. Like he was there, gang. yeah, yeah. He was there in between going from WCW to ECW to WWE. Oh, okay, yeah. All right, so then maybe. All right. So I guess he was then. All right. I'm... Oh yeah, no, yeah, you're See? not wrong. It was I'm, just uh... he had a long career before that too. Or, yeah. Yeah. I think that was also one of the first things I remember seeing. Like looking at, it, I was like, wow, this. This guy is, looks a lot older than everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> and and he's not quite as as uh he's he and, and not saying he didn't work out. Just he is not shaped the same as everyone else. He's not, he's not a like, body guy. He was not a body no. guy. No. It was uh Yeah, it, it was it was it kind of caught me off guard and then just just like everybody else who's ever watched him do anything just mm-hmm. Fucking love the guy immediately. Yeah, I mean, some of the things that he's known for, obviously, the hardcore stuff. Everybody knows that he is, uh, you know, sacrificed the body and and willing to do insane things, over the top things. But he was also a master. I don't want to say psychologist, but when it came to like the the mental aspect of wrestling, the being able to talk butts into the seats, kind of like he could do that, and he could make those moments count rather than give them away. And I don't want to say give them away. That's the wrong term too. But like 
he didn't do them just to do them. He did them when it was built up to it. So again, he 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 wasn't like he didn't go out there every single week and land on thumbtacks and stuff like that. It was it was the big shows. He did that at the, the wrestle the WrestleManias, the big pay per views. That like he he had a a sense of some type of he he knew he couldn't do it every night. Like there was a, a limit to the, what the human body could take, but. He was also a brilliant, brilliant on the microphone and brilliant uh, psychologist. And even then, just knowing, I mean, aside from things being on pay-per-view, like as that or like that being like, oh, well, obviously I have to go hard this one. But like how hard to go and like how hard to just be like, yep, this will happen to me, too. Whatever. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. And he, I think in one of the movies way back when, like he said, he made the mistake of planning a a match with Cactus Jack once and things escalated from there. But, uh, you know, he he was, a lot of this was from his own brain. It was his idea to, here, I'll put the garbage pail on my head and then you whack it with a two by four. He he wanted that on purpose. (laughs) (laughs) Oh God! Yeah, because in my head, it's 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 always like anytime I see something crazy that wrestlers do, it was originally like, oh man, how did they agree to do to this to do this? But like, especially like like the ones who went really hard, it's like not only the they didn't have to agree to it; it was their idea, right? (laughs) <laughs> they had to get other people to agree to do that to them. Some people might have had to talk them down from something crazier. Like they were like, "No, <laughs> we can't go that far. Just, the, just this is enough." <laughs> yeah. Fucking wild. Yeah, I mean, and I've seen some shit in like some of the smaller federations where you, you go and you're seeing three hundred and four hundred people. It, it's not a big like the ECW arena or whatever the hell it's called now. It's not a big arena. And I've gone to see shows there that were not ECW. So they were like, I think CZW is one of the promotions that ran through there. And there was a dude that used to come out to the ring with a weed whacker. And people would take a weed whacker to the chest. Just like. That was going to be my follow up. Yeah. Was it an active weed whacker or did he just like to hit people with different things? No, the shit was but... on. And like. <laughs> Woo. <laughs> yeah. It's not a lot of people. That's not a big payday. And it's also. I'm old, but that's not wrestling. It's not a wrestling. That's that's call the police because this is assault. That's not two individuals <laughs> that are having a you know a sanctioned whatever. But hey. <laughs> so I mean, as much as I love Foley, he 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 kind of uh, it's kind of like how um, the dude from Helmet is responsible for uh, rap rock in a way, kind of <laughs> like, yeah, helmet was awesome, <laughs> but everybody loved that baseline. And now, yeah. <laughs> <look what> happened. <laughs> <laughs> so similar to Foley, like, yeah, the shit he did was awesome, but everyone was kind of like, I could do that. And then top this, yeah, so, top this. So like, we can thank, uh, like we can thank Paige Hamilton for, uh, Fred Durst. We can also thank, uh, Mick Foley for CZW Weed Whacker guy. Sure, yeah, that's a good, that's that's a fantastic <laughs> analogy. And thanks for I couldn't remember Paige Hamilton's name. Thank you. <laughs> if I mean we could go, uh, we could go Wayne Static. 
<laughs> you want to go Wayne Static? I couldn't remember Paige <laughs> Hamilton. I'm not going. Right. <laughs> that's, that's a deep cut. <laughs> well, what about Wayne Static? Did you remember Wayne Static? No, I did not. <laughs> I don't know. Static X, bro. Wayne Static X. Uh, yeah. Nope. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just found out today that he was in a band with Billy Corgan before they were both in the bands that they got known for. Really? <laughs> yeah. That's fucking bananas. Yeah. Good choice, Billy Corgan. Billy Corgan, yes. also a huge wrestling fan. He uh, purchased the NWA. Yeah, I remember hearing some shit about that. Yeah. And we very well may have talked about this five months ago on our last episode. I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> Just, but what? Yeah. how long ago was that? A couple of years now, I think, he's had it. Because there's been a couple different champions. So, you know, in the range of five, maybe less. But okay, around there. Yeah. I think, yeah. And w- where do they... Uh, where do they... Uh, so it's do, it's do promotions. Out it's of? interesting the way the NWA works now. It's really just like rights to the title, and then mm. he has his champions, and they go around and defend in different places. And it's kind of like uh, a special attraction comes in. Give me the best of this area against the NWA champion, and uh, kind of you know goes that way. So he he doesn't have there's no NWA where there's an NWA roster. Um, the NWA oh, will okay. go to PWG or to um, IWA Mid South. I don't know if any of these promotions still exist. These are just from when I was going to indie shows. But, yeah. but even then, are they gonna like the NWA champion is not gonna give up the belt to like whatever promotion he's going into into town, is he? Not unless he's going in and, and the person that he's uh, fighting is hot. like, And and usually it's going to be like, I think it happened on Impact kind of recently. And that's mm-hmm. that has a TV show. So it's kind of a, so that somebody in there was getting hot. So Billy Corgan was like, ooh, would you like to sign with the NWA? And they were like, okay, and okay, you make you the champion. And the other person, thank you for your contract kind of expired you know i'm not sure how all that stuff works behind the scenes but yeah i just know there's not like there's not like an nwa roster that holds shows and stuff like that it's just corgan has his his guy and his gal cool shit yeah cool shit nice i knew we could get back to wrestling (laughs) (laughs) on a wrestling based show it was bound to happen (laughs) all righty uh then uh we'll get started on the video here Give everyone a little Mick Foley info to start off. To have watched Mick Foley wrestle is a truly unforgettable experience. His sacrificial performances have left blood, skin, and even body parts on multiple continents as he captured the imagination of fans that found themselves unable to turn their heads away. Sounds really nice, doesn't it? Sounds really lovely. While Foley would later win over millions of fans for his wit, charm, and real earnestness, he initially forced himself upon our eyes with absolute mayhem. Whether he was Cactus Jack, Mankind, Dude Love, or just plain old Mick Foley from Long Island, New York, the best-selling author had the ability to spellbind audiences with 
with matches that were cringeworthy in a mostly positive sense. He could tell a story with his mannerisms, his suddenness, his words, and his insatiable sadism, whether portraying a detestable brute or a misunderstood everyman. This versatility has been Mick's calling card, and he could not only change costumes and play a different man every night, he could also hit the extremes on the scale of good and evil. And extreme is a word that sums him up perfectly, as this list is filled to the brim with chaotic performances. But the man helping carry out the chaos is a pros pro, and one of the all-time greats. There will never be another Mick Foley, as no other wrestler could duplicate each of the matches ahead. I'm Jack from Cutterhog.com, and this so, is 10 Mick Foley matches. First thing I want to say before I forget it is... I don't know what the hell that one is from where he's wearing like the robe and has a shaved head and he's all like clean cut and like slim in the face looking. But I don't like that because he looks sick. That, like he looks like he's. <laughs> that had to have been him real young. Because, yeah, he, he put on weight and kind of stayed on most of his career. Yeah. Yeah. But he. uh with storytelling specifically, him telling stories, like, it's like Kevin Smith got into wrestling. Like, if you've seen Kevin Smith speak live, mm-hmm. like, it's just like, oh, cool. I, I have a quick story to tell. It ends up being a half hour long, and he's woven in two to three other different stories that all tie into this one thing and doesn't miss a beat. Yeah. No, and Foley was really, as we'll get into it, but Foley was really good at coming up with a reason for whatever it was, like whether he's turned into a bad guy or he wanted to fight this guy or whatever. Like he, he always had some kind of believable reason for his actions. That's good acting right there. He's able to find his motivation Mm -hmm. and then convey it to the audience. Yeah. I don't think he has the Kane Dewey story in here, but that was like one of his uh, big angles in ECW Dewey was the name of his son, and Kane. Uh, someone had a sign that said Kane Dewey, so that was like his big one of his big promos that he gave in ECW that really got the crowd like worked up against him as he was going as a bad guy. It was like he saw that in the crowd and just harped in on that. So, you know, you six sons of bitches, I give you my soul, I give you my blood, my tears, and all you want is you know, I see it, Kane. Dewey Foley is an eight-year-old boy. He's, you know, he, you got to watch yeah. it. I'm not doing it justice because it was some of his finest work, and I'm really butchering it. But yeah, it was, it's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll have to share a link to it so you can see it for real. Uh, like he, uh, nope, lost it. Never mind. Uh, sorry, that's okay. That's okay. It's okay. There's gonna be a lot more bullshit to fly through this. Sh- giant dumb head (laughs) (laughs) this dome piece before you go any further just real quick do you ever have like somewhere where you gotta go and you gotta look nice and like you're looking in the mirror how long before you go "Ah, that's my face and you just give up (laughs) like like it's not getting any better it's you know it's with me it's not even and I give up it's just I look in the mirror and I go still <laughs> God damn it! All right. Well, well yeah. Well, it wasn't any better last time either. So I, <laughs> yeah. I think I could either waste my time trying to do something with this or have a snack. So, snack <laughs> and you know what? There is always the occasional no, 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 no. Just put on a different shirt. 
Man, that'll that'll help. <laughs> yeah, that'll the last few that'll... decades of bad choices. <laughs> <laughs> like the shirt comes with its own lighting and shading and stuff. So it's, <laughs> it's just like, wow, man! It's like the shirt has foundation. <laughs> Mick Foley. Uh, so. Yeah, Mick <laughs> Join us. Number 10, Cactus Jack versus Terry Funk, IWA Kawasaki Dream. This would be the final match of the infamous 1995 King of the Deathmatch tournament, which would achieve plenty of notoriety as a favorite on the old tape trading circuit. Cactus had survived Terry Gordy and Shoji Nakamaki in the earlier rounds, while the grizzled Funk outlasted Leatherface. Right, I gotta the right there. Number Tiger one, was there just an actual wrestler for the big Leatherface? Or like, uh, what is that? For this, I'm not familiar with his work outside of this particular tournament and... But it that's is, go deep. that's presumably a uh, just a smaller Japanese thing, or at that time, not even necessarily. This wasn't. I mean, it it looks big with the amount of people there, and I think because of the way it was promoted, and it was the king of the death match, and it was you know kind of a, a spectacle hadn't mm. been done before, so it became big. But I think this particular promotion wasn't like a top. Japanese promotion. It wasn't AJPW or NJPW. Those are like the big two over there. It was something else. But this is probably its uh, peak, and uh, I don't think it got back up to these types of heights since. So whoever Leatherface... I don't think Leatherface was anyone famous. I I thought Terry Gordy wrestled in this uh, tournament as well, and I don't think that was... You know, him with a mask on. I think he wrestled on his own, but I don't know. If anyone knows who Leatherface is, let me know. But I don't think it was anyone remarkable. Yeah, certainly, uh, like, between the size of the uh, promotion, the year that it was, and... Uh, the fact that it's a country on the opposite side of the planet. International copyright law probably wasn't even nearly what it is today. So you could just, you could probably put Leatherface on TV and just be Leatherface and not get sued by Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Probably. The mask is different enough. (laughs) (laughs) They spelled Leatherface different. (laughs) (laughs) It's like L H E T H Y R P P H A C E. I don't spell things enough. I should start spelling more things. Yeah. <laughs> That's always been one of my go tos. Why have I not been doing that? So New far? spellings. <laughs> Alter- alternative spellings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Alternative spellings for the curious mind. And what a final match it would be. Just a nice easy stipulation here. A barbed wire rope exploding <laughs> All those things. barbed wire bolts yep. and exploding ring time bomb death. Fucking great. Wow, exploding. 
Octopus men had taken tumbles onto actual explosives, falls into barbed wire, all preceding the planned big explosion that ended up being a dud. Instead of the ring blowing up like something out of a war zone, the detonation was pretty bad, leading to Cactus and Foley compensating by enduring truly painful landings onto the assorted weaponry, hoping to make good for the disappointing explosion. It's not a great match, but it's a legendary one, required viewing as perhaps the Hulk versus So just Andre like the, the uh, world. the AEW pay-per-view I watched with you and Slaw. Yeah. That night, the ring was supposed to explode, and then it didn't explode, and it didn't look that good. Correct. But unlike spinning it into some uh, different nonsense on Twitter the next day, the two guys in the ring took ownership and said, damn it, these people showed up. Yep, we're going to have to beat the shit out of each other. (laughs) (laughs) And we've already been falling on fucking explosives in the ring with barbed wire and fucking... (laughs) And the explosives, they were were C4. It was little C4 devices that they had under these boards. These, I don't know, just wood planks kind of. And there was one where... Uh, Mick Foley took like a hip toss onto it, but didn't land squarely, landed a little bit off to the side. So Mm -hmm. the explosion actually where his arm was, it wasn't over the board. It was off to the side. So the explosion burnt most of the skin off of his upper arm. Yeah. Like it was, he said he took what he used to call the uh, psycho showers. Just like, you know, the the amount of blood that would be draining off of it. He said that one lasted a while, and he was all, his arm was all scabby on the flight home. He had to cut it. Yeah. Oh my god, <laughs> they won't even let you back into the country with a good scab these days. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, you'd be detained for that. Yeah, you'd be like, I was working. <laughs> it's funny they mentioned tape trading too, because I I saw this, and it was in the Staten Island Mall. They used to have a wrestling cart. It was a little cart outside the stores in the middle that sold VHS tapes. And those a lot of those VHS tapes were uh, various underground wrestling things that you couldn't find in a lot of other places. Yeah, I, I, I don't know that I, I may have... I, I may have walked past it at the very least or gave it a peruse. I definitely never bought anything from it. I definitely remember hearing people talk about it more okay. than I remember seeing it. Yeah, I... But, I they got a lot of my money. <laughs> <laughs> and that was that was 20 years ago money. That was, yeah. <laughs> that was pizza delivery cash. <laughs> Actually, yeah, well, that's a difference. It might have been before. I think it was when I was working retail even before that. But you know, I digress. Oh, I remember my, my question from before that uh, slipped out of my head. So him being... Uh, dude, love Cactus Jack and Mankind. Now, were was each one of those owned by a different company? Is that why he kept coming up with, or did he just have all these personas ready to go all the time? No, so I think Cactus Jack was his. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really only WWF or WWE now that uh liked ownership of actual names and stuff like that so when he came to wwf they didn't want to resort to they like they wanted to give him a new name some kind of new marketing thing that they could have ownership of and like there was a whole bunch of awful ideas i think mason the mutilator was one and they wanted to give him stupid masks and stuff but 
uh, they ended up, I forget how it had happened, but they ended up settling on Mankind. So he was, he was supposed to be Mankind, and that's it in WWE. And then there was uh, like some interview where they, he talked about being dude love as a kid. That was like his, when him and his buddies were playing wrestling, that was his wrestling character. <laughs> so they had him do that. They had him bring it to the, uh, the big stage. <laughs> oh, <that's funny. laughs> and then there was another time where uh, he had to go do a street fight. I think it was, it was against Triple H, actually. That's one of his, his better opponents. They talk about him in this. But uh, he, before the match, it was supposed to be Triple H versus Dude Love in a street fight. And they had a video with all three faces of Foley talking to each other, deciding who would be hardcore enough. And Cactus Jack came to the WWF for the first time. Yeah, nice. Yeah. yeah. Good shit. Well, well, thanks for that. Uh, All righty. Throwing to you, British guy. (laughs) Speak of Triple H. Number nine, Mick Foley versus Triple H. No Way Out 2000. Among the desensitized feeling created by the consequence-free attitude era, there wasn't a whole lot of sentimental feeling in the air when it came to bigger moments. But when it looked like McFoley had just been retired by Triple H after a brutal Hell in a Cell match, hearts were collectively ripped out of the viewership as a whole. It seemed as though a great career had truly ended. Of course, we now know that Foley came back for WrestleMania 2000, but if he'd stayed retired, he'd have gone out on one hell of a match, falling just short of regaining the WWF Championship in a blood-soaked battle against longtime nemesis Triple H. Barbed wire, flames, and a really terrifying cell spot added to a gritty brawl, in which interest in the challenger could not have been stronger. Everybody wanted Foley to win. But Foley did what he does best, and that's give everything he has to help the star of tomorrow get over just a little bit more. It's safe to say that Triple H wouldn't be the man today if it wasn't for his feud with Foley. It's an emotionally charged war, something Foley did better than pretty much everybody yeah, this is in the first uh, no- appearance of uh, Triple H in this. It, yeah, it's... Mm-hmm. It, it's funny how I didn't, I didn't like Shawn Michaels as we've discussed in earlier episodes. Right. Whoa. Get the fast internet you need at a great value this holiday with Optimum. Get 300 meg fiber internet for what? as low as thirty dollars a month. Now with oh, the guaranteed two year price lock. Plus, choose a two hundred dollar <laughs> gift. No. Wait, Optimum online, ladies and gentlemen. Number Sorry, eight. No. <laughs> 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 Fucking Triple H, man. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, you uh, did not like HBK. Yeah, I didn't like HBK, and then I just didn't like his uh, his uh, next up, his protege, not predecessor. There we go. And uh, yeah, it's it's it, Triple H just annoyed the shit out of me the whole fucking time. It like, and then you hear him actually talk like off, like not in the ring and stuff like that and just like hearing bullshit and like he's really fucking funny oh yeah no he's like the man <laughs> yeah why why did they fucking have him just say things like this because he's, yeah, he's good at being a dick it was just like yeah he's being a dick but he's just it wasn't as fun it's like yeah. oh did, like even just like the way like he like jokes around and breaks balls and shit like yeah let him do. Let him be a dick like that. Like that's but funny. Would, but then he gets cheers. Yeah. Okay. He was yeah, trying. They don't to... want that. Yeah. <sighs> they they, they know right. what they're doing. They do. Yeah. They do. Look at that. That 
That groan was me realizing that I've been that I've been marked again. Yeah, hoodwinked. <laughs> <laughs> Bamboozled. Mm-hmm. And that's what someone like Foley coming into a match like this saying, I'm going to beat you or I'm done. So everybody is like, oh, my God, we love him. This can't be blah, blah, blah. Right. And then Triple H wins and retires the fan favorite. Like, that's he- that's heat. That's heat, brother. Yeah. <laughs> God damn it. See, <laughs> that's why I want to do this, because I want to realize what I have. It's, it's like wrestling therapy about the shit that I'm still holding on to and angry about. <laughs> yeah, that, right. and, and you just feel like, no, this was also fake. It's yeah. fine. <laughs> <laughs> right. They did also decide all of this before. <laughs> right. They realized that we got to a point where everybody knows it's fake. So what, what parts of it can we make real? We can at least make the people liking and hating us real. So, yeah. no, like, and, and you hear, especially now, if you hear Triple H talk, and it's like, this dude has been a shrewd businessman all along. What that too? Like, you know, like the amount of <laughs> roles that he can take, I guess. I don't know. What. Like, anything he said on the mic in the ring was just like a step above neanderthal in the sense that it's just it's not a long sentence Mm -hmm. it's just him saying who he is and how he feels about himself yeah (laughs) game and he's that damn good (laughs) (laughs) but yeah so he's just fucking good actor too then fine triple h (laughs) (laughs) paul paul levesque levesque one of those? I think so. I don't know how to pronounce it, but it's, it's French Canadian. Paul right? French Canadian, I believe, is known as in French Canadian Canada. F- from Connecticut. <laughs> uh, God damn, what is going on here? Here we go. All right. Something Foley did better than pretty much oh, everybody yeah, in British his guy. generation. Number eight, Cactus Jack versus Randy Orton, Backlash 2004. A few years later, Foley came back from another retirement in order to take part in a rather intriguing feud, this time with a very young Randy Orton. The legend killer was by now IC champion, but he lacked that real signature victory on his resume that would catapult him into the stratosphere. That's where Mick Foley came in to help. This was an ideal battle of a proud, respected mauler versus a disrespectful young punk. Orton was sacrificed to the wrestling gods here when he took an unprotected bump onto his sea of thumbtacks, his wide-eyed grimace as real as the pain he felt in that moment. There were many fans at that point who'd seen Orton as nothing more than an overpushed pretty boy, but after this, they came to respect him for the beating he endured en route to victory. It was easily Orton's best match to that point, and it might even be his greatest match ever. And the fact that a hardcore legend four years deep into retirement so Randy him shouldn't go unnoticed. Is Number a guy s- that I know little to nothing about, other than RKO is his finisher, right? That's mm-hmm. him. Okay. Finisher and initials at that. Oh, okay. All right. Randall well. Keith Orton. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can see why he uh, named his thing that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like I, other than that, like I don't know shit about him. It's him and. The biggest names, like, knowing that they're, like, the two biggest names that I think they're the... Anyway, you know what I mean already. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, him, Randy Orton and Roman Reigns that I know shit about. Okay. I don't know anything about it, but Roman Reigns was, like, 
pretty. He's still big at one. it. He's still yeah. at it. He's still doing it. I mean, so is so is Orton, but I think he's on the very tail end of being active. Mm-hmm. Like he might come in for spots here and there in the future, but he he's you know getting up there in years. Yeah, that match was nineteen years ago. Right, and that's so, when he was a young and yeah. Yeah, so he and even be, as a young and he's you know twenty something probably. Yeah, yeah he he's still he's he's probably got us by a year or two. I could see that. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah like, a little bit younger, but he's he's got to be in his early thirties by now. You know. I'd say a little <laughs> bit like... old, little bit older than us. <laughs> <laughs> if only once yeah. upon a time. But what? Uh... Randy Orton's a guy who was hated as a pretty boy, as an, as an overpushed pretty boy, mm. because he came in playing the role of overpushed pretty boy. So <laughs> again, <laughs> master at his craft. Yeah, just. <laughs> just getting everybody to do exactly what you want god Mm -hmm. damn you wrestling and he's he's one of those people i don't know why but like the internet wrestling community as they're called the iwc he's one of those people that they say can't wrestle i don't understand why because he doesn't do flips and shit like that but you what he's one of the smoothest like as far as knowing to move from this spot to this spot, standing in the right spot for catching the big move or like the out of nowhere explosion. And he glides into it. Like he's, he is a fantastic professional wrestler. I don't know where anyone came up with uh, anything other than that because he doesn't do submission holds that, and then roll. He doesn't go from a cross face into a front face headlock into a tequila sunrise, you know, that kind of thing. I'm going to look those up after this, by the way. Okay. <laughs> I was just naming some com- some submission holds that I could think of. but You better not be fucking trying to reroute me from the mainframe. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> those, those are all legit holds. <laughs> and those are all legit professional wrestling holds. I wouldn't use them in a, in a real fight. If you go for a tequila sunrise, you can get your ass kicked. <laughs> I drank whiskey the rest of the night. All right. Um, before we get into this, fucking Vader. I also don't know a lot about Vader. Certainly mm. not that he was in WCW. He was the man everywhere except for WWF. Like, he came in in WWF and they were like, I don't know, hell bent on making him look stupid for some reason. Put that stupid mask on him and had him be weird. <laughs> yeah. he, he was a He was a bulldozer elsewhere. Again, it, it, like this is, I missed him at the time, but it was I went back and watched a lot of it on tapes and stuff like that after the fact. Yeah, it like he he looked huge, and it was like not that there haven't been huge guys that came in before and just been huge and they weren't good at doing anything necessarily. Like there was, yeah, the, no, uh, he was he was athletic for he was a, he was a an athletic monster kind of. No shit. Yeah, the Vader bomb. It's still named after him. That's where he runs to the ropes and kind of like jumps up, holds himself up with his hands, and pushes off and splashes down on the guy off the corner. Oh, no you shit. Three hundred pounds. Yeah, that's a big dude. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right. 
seven cactus jack versus vader halloween havoc 1990 which i was baffled hopefully you like <laughs> when he's headed there for a little while <laughs> first up is a match that foley had with a man who openly advocated for a hall of fame induction prior to vader's 2018 passing thus robbing us of a speech from one of wrestling's most gifted monsters vader could dish out hellacious beatings and foley could endure hellacious beatings so it's a little surprise that this was a match made in heaven the two squared off in a texas death match at the halloween havoc pay-per-view which given the nature of the unprotected chair shots to each other's heads in this match certainly lived up to its ghoulish name. At least there was context and a story here, as Foley was seeking revenge for a brutal head injury inflicted upon him by Vader six months earlier. The violence on display was befitting of each man's characters and reputations, and while the ending was a little bit cornball, it's a brawl so, that still manages to exceed expectations. Like, the, uh... And I don't even remember if it's, if it's in this video, but the... The one he does with the rock with all the chair shots... It's not in this video. Yeah, yeah it isn't in this video. I thought so. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like, that always gets brought up. It's like, because, uh, yeah, obviously it was fucking bananas. He took, what, 14 or something yeah, like that? Yeah, some mid-teens. I don't remember exactly, yeah. but he, he was handcuffed for a lot of them, so there was no putting the hand up to block him. He was taking them to the head. Yeah. And... I, know, I know they know how to, like, not break the wrists on impact, so, okay, yeah, it didn't. It didn't give him, you know, break his skull or anything like that, but he needed a lot of stitches. <laughs> That's the one where the where it knocked his teeth out, right? Like or one or two. No, that teeth. was hell in the cell. Oh, that was hell in the cell? Okay. Well, I don't know how he lost the two front teeth in the first place. Right. Okay. Yeah. Uh but so like this would imply that what he was saying that this thing was chair shot city between like guys just going back and forth yeah which i feel like is probably way more enjoyable than just watching a guy be handcuffed and just take chair shots <laughs> yeah a little bit of back and forth it's yeah. not as, as horrific i guess <laughs> someone can defend <laughs> themselves yeah oh, yeah that was a brutal match but i mean th this one yeah they beat the shit out of each other and i mean 1993 so we weren't worried about concussion protocol or anything like that back then. Like they they just started calling them concussions, probably right. in nineteen ninety three. Like nobody even knew what they were yet. Like it was like, well, we. I mean, I heard it on the news, but <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I don't like know what real it life. does. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh. I I I uh, I'm I'm curious the next time I get somebody's uh, Paramount password, I feel like I'm gonna scroll back through and try to check out some of these matches individually because I haven't seen most of these, pretty much just the WWE ones. Okay. So. Yeah, I mean WCW <clears throat> back in in this time it was really solid. This type of wrestling, like old school. Um, not really catch as catch can, but like it was emotional investments tied into it, and two guys pretending it was real still. Oops, so. Say what catch as catch can means. Say what it means. Yeah, this, they call it catch wrestling. That's more like uh, it's kind of the European style with a lot of holds and reversals and, oh, and okay. stuff like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's more pure grappling, more Greco-Roman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> They're both in Europe. It checks out. <laughs> Number six, Cactus Jack and Kevin Sullivan. All right, so I'm going to spend the whole match trying to retain to ask you, uh, or the whole this, ask who Kevin Sullivan is. So by just asking you this before we get into it, I can remember other things or try to and then forget them. Okay. Uh, he was big in WCW. Um, uh, he, he was in a couple different factions. Like he was the boss of a couple different uh, groups. Um, one of them, he was he was the guy that introduced the Shockmaster. Remember him? Like it, he was, oh yeah, in that, in that promo, that's Kevin Sullivan. Well, it, that that's oh. him. Like uh, Sting introduces him and mm. Shockmaster falls through, and then Shockmaster, after he puts his helmet on and gets back up and starts talking, mm. it's really Kevin Sullivan backstage talking. So the the guy with John Tetno or whatever, oh, okay. isn't even he's just holding the mic there, and Kevin Sullivan's going rah, 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 like doing a voice backstage. Um, oh, I always thought that was, was I always thought that was Earthquake. It is Earthquake. That, oh, um, okay. Yeah, right. Earthquake was standing there, holding a mic to his face, not saying anything. Right. And Kevin Sullivan was backstage doing the words. Okay. And then they, they scrapped that not too long after. But I'm trying to think what else he was in. If he was, uh, like, there was the Varsity Club. I'm not sure if he was in that. And then there was the, uh, Was the Varsity Club the, It was like a spooky, the, uh... doomy something. Oh. Oh, I can't remember the name of it. <laughs> was the Varsity Club, like, the Steiner Brothers or some shit? Because they used to... Or one of them used to have the wrestling jacket on all the time, right? The varsity jacket? Yes. Yeah, both of them. Uh, oh, okay. I think both of them did back in the WCW days. Yeah. Uh, the Dungeon of Doom. Sorry, I had to look it up. That was the, the group that he was known for. <laughs> but he was like, uh, you know, the the mastermind of a group of evil people, but also a wrestler. And he was very accomplished. I think he was, he was the booker for a while, too. Like the guy that... Uh, made the matches and all that so there are there are times that like specifically with things like dungeon of doom sounds like they were hanging outside hanging out outside the back of hasbro offices and be like no there's a whole bunch of uh thrown out skeletor ideas <laughs> <laughs> yeah well the other one here is the three faces of fear that was his other <laughs> other group so yeah he had that two of them there, and he sh and he sure was. The Varsity Club was Sullivan, Mike Rotunda, and Rick Steiner. Oh, nice. So there you go. What happened to Rick Steiner? Um, I think he's still alive. I think uh, just doesn't you know got old, doesn't wrestle anymore. But like career wise, like I I remember him being in WCW. Did he ever make? The uh, did he make the jump to WWE or no? He did not. He did yeah, not. Scott did, and that wasn't too long. Um, and then he went to he was in TNA for a while, which is current now now known as Impact. Okay. Yeah. All right. Cool beans. Uh, anywho, Cactus Jack and Kevin Sullivan versus the Nasty Boys. One of two appearances by the Nasty Boys on. Oh no, the same video, different. Um. Yeah, talking. Just, yeah, what else did they do? <laughs> <laughs> this no, no, no. This is the second time they get brought up in their video. That's what oh, okay. <laughs> they get brought up twice in their video.
For this WCW Tag Team title bout, Cactus teamed with fellow sociopath Kevin Sullivan, with legendary NHL roughneck Dave the Hammer Four Schultz nil. serving yeah. as guest referee. The match was in Philadelphia, where Schultz had won two Stanley Cups with the Flyers, uh, so the crowd were obviously quite excited to see it. <laughs> One month earlier, Cactus and his partner Max Payne had fallen short in a similarly crazy brawl with the Nasties at Spring Stampede, but this sequel with Kevin Sullivan was just a bit wilder, with some genuine crowd-pleasing moments. Half this match, honestly, is Tony Schiavone and Jesse Ventura laughing incredulously at the unfettered mayhem, all of which is contained in just a 10-minute stretch. There is literally no downtime, as the four men brawl throughout the arena, matching the sort of intensity that was taking place inside the ECW arena at pretty much the same time frame. If you haven't seen it, we won't spoil the finish, but let's just say that a series of events occurred that make the crowd extremely happy indeed. As a match, yeah, that, that was the, the one that, craze that would soon probably fall. grabbed me the most. Like, obviously, I, I would like to see as many of these as I can, but that one, how they were just like, 10 minutes, no downtime, just going hard the entire time. Yeah. It sounds like Kevin Sullivan was a psychopath, like as far as what he did in the ring. I, I, he wasn't a psychopath, but, you know, he he, he brought it. Came time to, to come out there and beat the crap out of people. And so uh, Nasty Boys jumped WWE. And went to WCW? Yep. Okay. They went with wherever Hogan said they could get work, kind of. All right. Oh, no, th- th- this was before they said. That was 94, right? Yes. I think. No, okay. Hogan was there. Hogan was probably there in 94 or going there. Yeah. Here's with, an assessment. I'm oh, sorry, what? Were they, like, were they close with Hogan or? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, they, were, they were boys. All right. So he he had his little little crew of dudes that followed him around. I think Jimmy Hart still works for him to this day. Like <laughs> helps him book flights and stuff like that. Brother, you got to help me get signed into the uh, Expedia page. I'm trying to book this flight and I can't get it figured out. <laughs> hey, brother, uh, do you remember my password for Target? <laughs> Let me tell you something, dude. I got so many passwords, I can't remember. <laughs> dude, I reset my password once a day for an entire year and reset it 400 times. <laughs> I'm not a robot, brother. <laughs> so I need is the mouth of the South to come help him out. <laughs> Taking my vitamins, oh, one exclamation point. <laughs> <laughs> Saying milk, oh, one exclamation point. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Saying my prayers, oh, one exclamation point. <laughs> Let me tell you something, mean Gene, oh, one exclamation point. <laughs> Let me tell you something, brother. Not mother, brother. God damn it! Twenty-four inch pythons with an ampersand. No. 
24-inch pythons with an ampersand spelled out phonetically, including the word phonetically. No, God damn it! <laughs> what you gonna do, seven O's? Oh, is it eight O's? <laughs> gets that wrong <laughs> i wouldn't blame you i'd call jimmy hart too if i had, if i had all those great options for passwords <laughs> um are we at are we at another one yeah I think yeah so. we are all right uh, let's see this is I hope it ties in Hulk Hogan doing mundane tasks. Oh, that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, I'm a, uh, I'm 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 calling about my Publix account. <laughs> <laughs> I was told that if I said my prayers and bought enough milk and vitamins, <laughs> that <laughs> that I would be getting one five dollar coupon per month. <laughs> Hey, can you tell me how much is left on this gift card, brother? <laughs> Hello, is this Best Buy? Yeah, I have uh I, I'm having a problem with my word processor. Uh what kind? Uh let me tell you something. Brother. Brother word <laughs> processor. <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, good. <laughs> well, well done. Well thanks. Done. I hope it was worth the walk. <laughs> Number five, Cactus Jack vs. Sting, Beach Blast, 1992. Foley personally believed that this was his best match ever, at least for some time. Cactus fought WCW champion Sting in a Falls Count Anywhere match that wasn't even for Sting's belt because the character of Cactus Jack didn't care about belts all that much at the time. He only wanted to inflict pain. After having an issue with Sting going back to the late summer of 91, it was time to blow off the feud with the only way Cactus Jack knows how physical destruction. What endured was 10 plus minutes of energetic violence, the kind that probably left legitimate dents in both men's skulls. Cactus and Sting brutalized each other with truly painful spots on the concrete, while barely catching a breather all the while. It made a bigger star out of Sting, who survived an absolute war with heroic guile and courage. It also opened everyone's eyes to just how effective Foley could be, especially with what he was willing to do to help his opponent look very, very impressive. Yeah, that was, four, that was another. I was, I was like, because he brought up, we're going to be in uh, WCW for a while, and he was just like, fucking name after name after name. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. Finishing up with Sting. It's crazy. Flair, but yeah. It's 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 crazy how how small dudes were in wrestling 30 years ago. How small they were? Like compared to like like if uh, the compared to Kevin Nash and yeah, the WWF or compared to now. Like Sting's probably way bigger than that now. Oh, compared to himself. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, like it, the Rock, you just see the Rock briefly earlier on, and the Rock was huge. He was an enormous man then, and now it's just like he doubled in size. Yeah, but... how is how is this a human? 
How is this a human person? Because the, the wrestling was eating up too much of his time. Now he could just strictly lift weights <laughs> and meal prep. And meal prep and then tweet about his cheat days. It's like, yeah. God, have you seen those? Like, like even just... I haven't. It's like cheat day, 1,100 pancakes stacked up. <laughs> like the most insane shit. Cheat day, the actual candy house that Hansel and Gretel tried to eat. <laughs> <laughs> All to myself. Which included. Yeah. <laughs> Which stew included. <laughs> it's insane. Like, and what's even crazier, so there's that. And then there's what the mountain on Game of Thrones, the actor who plays him, has to eat every single day to maintain that physique. Like, have you ever seen like the pictures of it? Several goats or something. Yeah, it's some ungodly amount. It's like it's 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 like two chickens, three dozen eggs, or two dozen eggs or some shit like that. And then just like it looks like a spread for a family of ten. <laughs> and that actor has to eat that every single day when he's being the mountain because of how huge he is to begin with, like size wise and stature wise, and then all the working out he's doing. Just to maintain it, damn. Yeah. <sighs> Fucking shit. Why couldn't I be that big? Because <sighs> it's too much to maintain anyway. Oh, man. Everything's work. Everything, the, like The Rock, I can't even imagine what his schedule looks like. Because you don't, you don't, end up like that by like sleeping in and taking it eat. like it just must be go 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 doing shit constantly and i, I don't know i'm glad i am i am how i am to an extent. <laughs> as you brought in brought up in several episodes uh that uh you like naps <laughs> i do naps are fantastic i'd much rather nap you know if i had a choice between well you could look like that like, yeah What's that gonna do for me? <laughs> I could also <laughs> get back to bed. <laughs> yeah. I, but also, my job doesn't involve me taking my shirt off, so I totally get that. That's a huge part of how he makes money is to be able to take his shirt off and not, you know, actually people want to pay money to go to the theater that rather than leave. <laughs> so I get it. Hold on, I I have. I have a business idea. We do movie ideas on the other podcast. We're going to do business ideas. No, we did business ideas there, too. Well, anyway, here's a business we idea. We can do whatever we want. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sexy IT workers. And all, IT, all calls have to be video calls. You're still going to provide the same work, but you do it with your shirt off. There's got to be there's there's companies that would pay for that. There's companies that would pay for it. That's not the hard part. The hard part is finding these sexy IT workers. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've met a lot of IT workers in my 20 year career in IT. <laughs> I don't know how many fall into the sexy category. Like, all right. Well, look. There's look. You get your. You get your Bruce Banners, you know. You get your, uh, you get your uh, Dolph Lundgrens. You get your other Doctor Dolph Lundgren. Yeah, Doctor Dolph Lundgren. And uh, 
two, two disciplines. Yeah. To add to the third discipline that he clearly has to work out as much to maintain that physique. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Can't have, you can't have the other two discipline without that discipline, bro. That's, that's your base discipline. Yeah. That's fair. Oh, for three. Um, let's try to make some, try to make some money with some sexy IT guys. Yeah. Well, well, we'll, we'll talk afterwards. We'll have a, we'll, we'll hold a meeting. Okay. We'll hold a meeting. Uh, so before, oh yeah, before we go into this next one though, I, I was at, at this live, this was in Madison square garden in front of a raucous crowd that just saw the debut of Taz. This, this, this same night Taz debuted. Taz. Yeah. What about you? Taz? What about you? Taz? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and uh yeah this match was was brutal was this the one with the uh with the taxi cabs yes and the uh the fucking hardy boys fuck or uh matt hardy did a swanton bomb matt hardy jeff hardy jeff hardy jeff, usually there we did go. The, yeah, yeah. yeah the flippy jump well it was matt this no i'm kidding uh <laughs> but well, matt usually did the matt usually did the leg drop yeah. off high shit which is why like his right hip doesn't really flex anymore or whatever you see him walk it, it's like he can still get there quick but something clearly isn't bending <laughs> <laughs> there's only so many times you could jump on your left ass cheek and <laughs> all right uh, yeah. and that's my fake setup i'm gonna go pee don't have to talk if you don't want to but if you do want to i can cut this out also okay This was a fantastic event, and I will discuss Taz's debut because that was one of the coolest things I've ever seen live. So it was weeks of buildup. They were teasing that someone was coming. Every so often on the show, they would put a flash. It was like a heartbeat sound, a thud. There would be some kind of uh, slowly they built up like a graphic where there was an orange design with the number 13. Seemed very Taz-ish, but no one knew for sure because he would just uh, was leaving ECW and seemed like he was coming to the WWF. So he's a Brooklyn guy. Um, so after these couple weeks of build-up, Kurt Angle was wrestling a mystery opponent. And the Brooklyn guy showed up in Madison Square Garden. So it was the hometown crowd reaction. And I mean, when I say the place erupted, it, it might be worth, again, looking up on YouTube or something like that because the... the it came unglued. Madi- I haven't I haven't heard Madison Square Garden like that since Knicks versus the Bulls in like you know early nineties and the playoffs and stuff like that. It, it was really it was really electric. And uh, Taz won the match. He choked Kurt Angle out. And one of my favorite things that Kurt Angle did, which uh, he, he was very underrated with in the comedy department, but. He was backstage and asking the trainer as as they're giving him the smelling salts and putting the flashlight in his eyes and stuff like that. And he's saying, did I win? And <laughs> clearly he did not. But big fan of, of Kurt Angle's comedy chops, I believe, are, uh, if not underrated, not discussed enough. They always talk about his wrestling ability, but he was he was more than just that. More than more than just the greatest actual wrestler of all time. Uh, 
Yeah, I said it. Charlie didn't hear it. Welcome back, sir. Thank you. Nice to be back. Just making some wild claims while you're gone. (laughs) (laughs) Not even about wrestling, just about... Just wild conspiracies. I went I went big on the Middle East conflict. It was all I was I was was hitting all the bullets. No, No, I ain't touching that shit at all. I was talking about I said Kurt Angle is probably the greatest actual wrestler in pro wrestling of all time. I don't know if you could debate it because he's an Olympic gold medal wrestler. Or Olympic wrestling gold medalist. So it's kind of like, as far as like street cred goes, when it comes to wrestling, I think he's, he's yeah. got to be it. That went like, who who do you, uh, who do you even put near it? Maybe Lesnar. That was, that was going to be my only other. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Someone like that. Lesnar, maybe like a. Dan Severin, Ken Shamrock type, but I even I don't know if they were as good with the grappling. I don't know a lot about their fighting styles, but they were both legit. You know, you should again, you should either book or album and have you in a wrestling singlet and call it good with the grappling. <laughs> <laughs> I think it would be incredible. <laughs> is this my, my second autobiography like this like this one where you're like kind of like with the <laughs> <laughs> yeah fighting irish style <laughs> oh shit <laughs> <coughs> cactus jack triple h royal rumble two thousand two thousand Or Cactus Jack versus Triple H, Royal Rumble 2000. Barbed wire in a WWF ring. Even when the Attitude Era whipped up into sheer anarchy with seemingly no rules of any kind, few would have ever guessed that barbed wire would be put to such liberal use in a Vince McMahon ring. But it was, and the WWE Championship street fight inside Madison Square Garden would set new standards for violence within the promotion. Both men were cut up pretty badly in the early going, especially Triple H, who looked like he'd been bobbing for apples in a vat of ketchup. But they pressed on, determined to make the match into a gruesome masterpiece. By the time Foley got pedigreed face first onto an array of thumbtacks, that goal had certainly been achieved. This win only elevated Triple H, proving that he belonged on the main event level, whilst silencing many of his doubters at the same time. You might be noticing a trend here with Foley's matches. How many wrestlers have given Yeah, just I, re- I remember seeing the pedigree Number on three. the fucking thumbtacks. I definitely Brutal. remember doing that, or seeing that, rather. It was fucking nuts. Yeah, and th- those two guys, I mean... They've done it before. They've had other street fights. So, I mean, they, they, they bring that out of each other. They were two of the better, like, they had really good chemistry against each other, and especially in, in spots like that. But that match was a big deal because it was kind of Triple H's um, stepping up almost. Like, he was, he was being handed the ball next, and that was his kind of uh, here-I-go moment. So that was... That was 2000. That was uh, Royal Rumble 2000, right? Yeah. So that's January-ish, right? End of January? Yeah, usually? January, February. Yeah. And what was the one earlier? That was that, uh, the Hell in the Cell. That was 
Hell in the Cell um, between Triple H and yeah. and McFoley. That was way after. Okay, because that was when that was when Foley was retiring. So. Okay, I thought it, I thought it was. Sorry. When I say oh no no no, when I say way after, it's a, a couple months after. Yeah, that's what I was thinking because yeah, it was, was two thousand also, right? Yeah. It was the pay per view between the Rumble and WrestleMania that year. Okay, yep. so that yeah. would have been whatever is around. Uh, yeah, around like May or April or something. Yeah, like late that. February, early March. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Oh, the next month. Yeah, I was way off then. Never mind. Because <laughs> no, yeah, because WrestleMania is usually April. December so between <laughs> January and April, and that is only so many months. <laughs> There's so many months between the two of them. Uh, this one everybody knows. <laughs> well, everybody so knows. so b- back to that real quick before we before we move on okay. to this next one. The so that was January and he WrestleMania was when he came back. Right. He came back as Mick Foley, the first time he ever wrestled in the WWF under his real name. Okay. So Yeah, yeah so he that one the February or March for the uh, him retiring and then just coming back the next pay per view. Yeah, that's all right. Yeah, so he was, he, was, <laughs> he got he got vacation, <laughs> and it was it was a uh, well earned for thirty he, years of doing that. <laughs> oh yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, and he, that was his thing. He never got his WrestleMania main event, so that was his WrestleMania main event. Oh, but. Okay. The whole build-up to it, I think it was supposed to be Austin versus uh, Big Show or mm-hmm. Paul White, I guess, Big Show. That that was going to be the main event. But Austin got hurt, and it was like a long-term thing where he wasn't going to be able to wrestle in time for WrestleMania. So they changed it up, and each of the McMahon family was on TV at that point. So it was Vince, Shane, Stephanie, and Linda, or at least Linda was kind of half on TV. Mm. And half the you know Kane Tombstone there and shit like that, but she had enough of a presence that this made sense. So they were all fighting, and they each picked like their guy to represent them. So it was uh, The Rock, uh, Triple H, and The Big Show were the three people that were in the WrestleMania main event. Mm. And Vince, Stephanie, and Shane were ringside. And before the match started, Linda came out and said, "Hey, I didn't pick my person to represent me." So here is Mick Foley brought Mick Foley out as his. So it was like a feel good moment in that regard. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh man. So it was a four way. Good thing the fucking internet wasn't around because that would have ruined that shit probably, right? Yes, uh, no doubt about it. Yeah, it's so hard to keep things secret. Now you see, like they'll they'll say, I remember when uh, Kevin Nash coming back as Diesel for the Royal Rumble got ruined because someone was saw him in the airport with the ponytail and took a picture of it. And like, <laughs> yeah. When, when was Come that? On. What year was that? Just for context. Uh, I don't know. 10 years ago. Okay. I was, yeah. I was going to say, if not decade, let's <laughs> start <Yeah. laughs> with that. But, oh, okay. Stupid. Yeah. The internet. Yeah. All righty. Mankind versus The Undertaker, King of the Ring, Hell in the Cell. This was Undertaker's second Hell in the Cell by this point, right? Because he had the one with HBK. 
And this is the match that I was saying where, uh, so Undertaker fought Shawn Michaels and they had that spot where Shawn Michaels was holding on to the side of the cage and Undertaker like stepped on his hand and he fell off and he, and he went through the, uh, the table at the ringside. Right. So McFoley was like, oh, we're going to have a hell of a time topping that. And Terry Funk said, well, why don't you start the match on top of the cage? And, <laughs> <laughs> and the rest is history. So who who is like, like what, what capacity was Terry Funk at that point? Terry Funk, uh, he was Chainsaw Charlie, so he was a wrestler in right. the WWF at the time. But him and, and Foley were best friends. Right, they were the uh, the first match on this list. Right, yep, exactly. So, and that wasn't the first. It was like a mentor, like Fol- um, Funk was older, mm-hmm. so it was kind of a mentor-mentee relationship, but they, they became like really, really best friends. So work, working out, like what should we do? Like just kind of spitballing, yeah. brainstorming. No. Yeah, like driving event to event, talking, hey, I got this coming up. What do you think I should do? Yeah. Terry Funk said, why don't you start the match on top of the cage? And <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Does he really talk like a little Nicky? A little. Uh, I'm over. I'm exaggerating it. But uh, that, was my, that was my funk impression. <laughs> why don't you guys start off on top <laughs> of the cage? They gotta go a little higher with it. It kind of has some of this in it. <laughs> so it's <laughs> it it it's little Nikki with uh, helium. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> On top of the cage, what are you talking about? I'm talking about an eight piece. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this was a shit show. Three, Mankind versus The Undertaker, King of the Ring, 1998. <laughs> yes, I know you've seen this match. You've seen this match 40,000 times. Your parents, who don't even watch wrestling, have seen this match 10,000 times because it's that damn famous. This entry isn't for you. This is for the few people that somehow haven't seen the match. It's a humble reminder that everybody needs to see it. And since you've already seen it 40,000 times, what's the harm in one more? Nobody will ever forget the images of mankind being thrown to his doom from the top of Hell in a Cell, once as a planned stunt and again on an accidental break in the roof panels. Undertaker may have worked with a busted foot, but that pain was mere child's play compared to the laundry list of bumps that Foley acquired in his repeated brushes with death. The thumbtacks towards the end might feel like overkill given the preceding carnage, but you know, it's hard to imagine the spectacle without them, and the entire spectacle's place in history will never be questioned. Number two, Mankind versus Shawn Michaels in your house 10. We're going to get a commercial. So just before uh, (coughs) we talk about the next one, Mm. I, um, what was I going to say? So regarding that uh, whole Undertaker broken foot thing, Mm. like he was, he could barely walk during that so like everything they were doing was to try to protect him to keep him from doing too much that's why they they had the whole after foley got thrown through the big long time between this person and that person and the and the uh gurney coming out and then wheeling foley to the back and then him getting like all of this is 
is exciting to the fans, but it's them buying time so the Undertaker didn't have to do anything. And then, yeah. So that was the the stuff with the. Uh, well, no, all right. So he went off the top into the uh, the the TV table initially, yep. right? Yeah, Spanish announce yeah. table over there. Yeah. <laughs> That's right, the Spanish announce table. <laughs> they always get fucked up. You know, that was always the perception, but, I mean, if you look at it from their perspective, they are getting the right in the action. Yeah, yeah. every time. It, They're in, in the thick of it. Yeah. They, <laughs> they should be happy to get so much. Right, look out, Tito Santana. He still has reflexes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that was him getting wheeled out was initially starting it off. And then yeah. where he goes through the cage, that was not planned, right? That was not planned, no. <sighs> they were going to, I guess, eventually work their way back down, or maybe it was going to be in a different way that he went through because he was planning on getting choke slammed onto the chair on top of the cage and laying there, and I don't know what they were going to do from there. Right. So the fact that then it just broke through and he was like, fuck, we almost witnessed the death. Like that, that was, that's a serious fall. The chair coming down too. And then Undertaker has to jump down and you can see it. If you watch the match back with his broken foot, he's now coming down from the cage and he hops down, basically lands on one foot, kind of like limps over. Um, Terry Funk comes in to try to buy some time. Undertaker choke slams him and his shoes came off. So <laughs> Terry Funk got <laughs> choke slammed out of his shoes. <laughs> Like it's just yeah, like the chaos. I've seen again, like he said, forty thousand times. I've seen that match so many times. If you're gonna watch it, if you've seen it before, if you've never seen it before, somehow watch it regular. Mm. But if you're gonna watch it for a second time, there's a version out there with Undertaker and Mick Foley fairly recently watching it and talking about it live while it's going on. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah so they're just describing what's going through their heads and then the the back of it. It's a hell of a watch. Like that's one of the craziest things in the world about what what they're doing. Them in this instance and other wrestlers doing wild shit is that guys are doing a thing taking a bump. Am I saying the right thing? <laughs> guys are yeah. guys are taking a bump and just already accepting of the fact of, all right, I might lose consciousness, but if I do, when I wake up, somebody's going to walk me through of the rest of what's happening. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Fucking shit. If I get, if I lose consciousness, I'm going to want to lay down for like 12 hours. <laughs> and the hope that the hope, if I lose consciousness, someone better, be, someone better get a close up. This better not go unnoticed. I better, like, <laughs> they better, Someone better say, oh, my God, he's unconscious, and zoom in on my face. That's the important <laughs> If they don't catch my eyelids fluttering because I have serious <laughs> neurological trauma, I'm going to be fucking pissed. Yeah. Then this was all for nothing. Yeah. It was all for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is a hell of an attitude to have. But, yeah, no, they're, oh, they're different beasts. They really are. And, uh, like... Obviously, trained fighters. I'm not going to f with them, but I I feel like pro wrestlers. Watch your mouth, players. Mister. <laughs> Shucks. <laughs> but yeah, like 
and you never know who's an MMA dude these days, but like obviously there's people out there that that know how to fight, that train to fight, and then they'll beat up most other people, even tough guys. But like on the scale of tough guys, right underneath that, I feel like pro wrestlers and hockey players are on a similar level of yeah, my leg's broken, but I got to keep going. I got to get out there. And so like you think your punch is going to do something? And it's, and not only that, like the fucking Like, yes, the the insane ability that uh, NHL players or just any, like, even the, the guys playing for $150 a game <laughs> in yeah, some yeah. bullshit minor league, but still, like, that at least you're kind of like, you kind of have a little bit of an idea and just there's the potential for chaos. Not that there wasn't chaos in this, but. There's stuff that guys agree to in professional wrestling yeah. that it's just like, like this. Yeah, can you imagine in hockey? It's like, all right, second period, drop your guard. I'm gonna slam you into the boards, and you go, okay, I'll make it look good. <laughs> like, <yeah>. <laughs> Not <laughs> just that, just yo be- before the before the end of the second, you're gonna be near the front of your bench. And I'm going to come in hot to try to hit you. You're going to duck, flip me over the bench. But for some reason, I'm going to fall two stories. Yeah. Through a table. Sounds good. <laughs> cool. cool. Yeah. yeah. It's like, I don't know. It's like, dude, I'll, I'll fucking sell it, bro. All right. I'll fucking... <laughs> <laughs> the crowd's going to eat it up. They're going to love it. <laughs> it's fucking bonkers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That yeah, that's that's the part. Like even even if you're an underdog in a professional sporting event in any sense, there is always a chance that it's going to go your way and you're not going to get fucking pummeled. Not not from the locker room standpoint for wrestling. It's like no, this is going to happen to you, and you're going to agree to it. Otherwise, we'll find somebody else who'll do it. Cool. Got right. it. Yeah. Whatever you say, boss. <laughs> Get your legs up real high. <laughs> don't don't whine. Yeah. Oh, God. Crazy. Uh, Mankind versus Shawn Michaels in your house. Ten. Mind games. I think he's still muted. Oh, it is YouTube. still muted. Good call. I saved you. S- <sighs> Never mind. I saved you from commercials, but I couldn't save me from embarrassment. There you go. Mankind <laughs> 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 versus Shawn Michaels in your house 10 mind games. Upon later examination, Foley came to believe that this match topped his brawl with Sting as his personal best bout ever, and it's pretty hard to argue against it. This WWF Championship bout with Michaels in Philadelphia felt a little bit like a placeholder before Mankind resumed his feud with Undertaker and Michaels moved on as well. But it made damn sure to etch a place in history as a truly awesome main event. This match played to multiple tastes, as Mankind did his damnedest to try and out-wrestle Michaels in a shocking display of skill and grace, but also couldn't help himself from delving into the sort of weapons-based mayhem that is his 
his usual custom. In particular, the bump that both men take through a ringside table is hard to match on account of sheer, unfathomable ballsiness. Ignore the flat ending, this was one of the greatest Foley matches of all time, and certainly one of the best of those darker New Generation days. And yeah, I, I have no knowledge of that at all. I don't know that I know anything from in-your-house shows. Okay. Yeah, those are like the smaller pay-per-views. They weren't the, the big five, as they called them. Mm. Yeah, but that was a good one. That well, that match was a good match. I, should, I don't want to say the pay-per-view was a good pay-per-view. It's crazy how how many things... Excuse me. How many matches end up with... Uh, him saying stuff like, never mind the cornball finish, never mind the flat finish, and yeah, things like there that. There was a schmaz finish in that match. It was like a bunch of people ran down and all that kind of stuff. But how a, a match can have not even a good finish and be this high on that list, and him versus The Rock didn't even make this list. Which yeah, which is kind of crazy to me. I know this is probably included because in his book Foley said that it's his best match. And if you watch the match, like the guy was saying, Foley was showing that he is a trained wrestler. That it wasn't. It's not just thumbtacks and and barbed wire and all that good stuff. That he can, you know, hip toss and whatever else submission holds and all that good stuff. He, he he's a good wrestler. So I guess I think that was the point of this for the two of them to just go have a solid match because they were both moving on to other things. But it's crazy. Like it's he, he doesn't seem, and this is probably why he's not disliked by anybody or any wrestler. Even like, I don't, I've never heard of a single story of a wrestler, not liking Mick Foley, but he doesn't have an ego. And no, he had no problem losing as long as it looked good. Like, sorry, but let's finish your thought. Well, no, that, that, that was pretty much it. Like, it's just cause he didn't have a problem losing. Like he was like, he, he's probably the highest end jobber <laughs> there was like, he, he's probably like the jobber equivalent to a, <laughs> million dollar an evening escort that you have to guarantee you're going to take them on a yacht and also pay them a million dollars kind of thing. Like he's, he's, he's going to get fucked, but he's going to get fucking paid for it eventually. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Very high end in that regard. He's going to look, he's going to look great doing it, (laughs) but he's going to do it. But and and when you say no ego, I think that was kind of where his ego was more in in that side of things. Where okay, I don't mind losing as long as I look good in the process, and you guys make me sound good and, and that kind of thing in the process. Right, and and all, yeah. all yeah, also the uh, it, like the ego of like everybody's first conversation with somebody who's not heard of Mick Foley for the first time is like, yo, you know about this guy yet? It's like, yo, you got to see what the fuck he does. Like, it's, it's like that. And that's right. That that's where his ego was for lack of a better word. It's like putting out 
That's where he took pride in, yeah. in that. That's what that he took pride sense. in. Yeah. 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 And and did you see in, in this clip for any of I guess the obviously just me and you were watching it, but there's a scene at one of the stills where they're talking about this match where he's between two ropes around his neck. So he used to go like sideways, head first between the top and second rope, get his head under the second rope so it came up and around, and then like snapped in place between his. his uh... So he was there was like a hangman thing where now it looks like he's hanging off the side of the ring because he flipped the ropes over and they're like twisted around his neck. Yeah, and he's holding on to it and stuff like. like but that's but he's fine. He's fine. In, in that particular instance, he's yeah. fine. But that's how he lost an ear. Oh, yeah, that's the, right. Yeah. That's right. It was, it was uh, the ropes in Germany were a little too tight. So he went for that signature spot. And he said when he did it, he just went right through. And then he, that's when he noticed some wetness. And <laughs> holy shit, my ear came off. That's right. That was in yeah. the uh, the book. Yeah. It was, uh, what was that book? I don't remember what it was called. Foley is Good. Is that the first one? I think so. Or Have a Nice Day. Yeah. Was that maybe? Maybe Have yeah. a Nice Day. It's one of those two. Yeah. Is, yeah, those, he has two books. So at least two books. I have two of his books, I should <laughs> say. <laughs> I don't know how many books he has beyond that. <laughs> he might. I don't know. He might have a whole friggin' library. <laughs> <laughs> I was like uh, <laughs> Simpsons and Who Killed Mr. Burns. They're questioning Mo. <laughs> it's like, all right, you gotta. <laughs> Did you kill Mr. Burns? No, he's telling the truth. All right, now let me out of here. I I got a hot date. <laughs> Dinner with a friend. <laughs> Dinner alone. <laughs> Dinner at home. <laughs> no, this is All right, I'm gonna be at home ogling the ogling a Playboy. Sears. Ding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ogling the girls in the Playboy yeah. catalog. Sears yeah, catalog. Yeah. Ding. Yeah. <laughs> All right, now let me out of here. I don't deserve this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a oh, great bit. nice. Look at this. Pretty close act reenacting a fucking Simpsons bit. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> oh shit. Uh let's see here. It's no business like show yeah. business, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah. And the final one. And finally, number one, Dude Love versus Stone Cold Steve Austin over the edge, nineteen ninety-eight. This right here is the template for every chaotic Attitude Era main event that would follow. The crooked referee, the brawling around the arena, the unpredictability, the blood, the nuclear crowd reactions, it's all there. So many future bouts tried to replicate and duplicate the formula on display here, but most would fall a little bit short. This was Attitude perfected, thanks in part to so many consummate pros being on hand. And it's somewhat ironic that Foley's best match would come as dude love. WWF champion Austin had to survive not just Dude Love's onslaught, but the biased officiating of Vince McMahon, while his cronies sat there watching at ringside. Undertaker was present to stave off any attempts at a Montreal screwjob redux, while also angling for Austin to pay him back with a title defense. The storytelling was so on point, and each dramatic spot bled so well into the next that there was no way to tell how it was going to end. 
It's a match of very few flaws and can still get the adrenaline pumping more than 20 years later. For Foley, it's a masterpiece, a demonstration of his immeasurable value and a reminder of his generosity. Once more, nobody gave to the business and to their opponents the way that Mick Foley did. In a small way, hopefully, by appreciating all of his great matches, we can give back just a little bit. Thank you very much for listening to this video. I've been Jack from Cultaholic.com, and don't forget to leave your favorite Mankind or Dude Love or Cactus Jack or Mick Foley matches in nice the comments section. Plug in there, Jack the Jobber at Twitter, on Twitter at X, whatever. Um, but yeah, Dude Love match getting uh, first overall. Yeah, number one. How, how do you feel about that? I think that was a good match. It was kind of a, a, a big moment for uh, Steve Austin, too, because he, he it was weird. Steve Austin became it's tough to describe how popular or over he was. Like if, if you didn't experience it during the time, it was like even The Rock, The Rock came approaching those levels. And I think The Rock, since leaving wrestling, has gone on to become a bigger personality media star period. But the rock in, in WWF still was never at quite at the level that Steve Austin was at. Like it, it's remarkable where stone cold was, but the thing is his ultimate villain was the boss and not a wrestler. It was an old man. So they needed somebody to put into that spot. And like we were saying with Foley having a good mind for the business and, and being good at taking real stuff and twisting it, he uh, was in a tag team with um, Chainsaw Charlie or Terry Funk at the time. They were champions. They lost the match in, I think it was a dumpster match. And I don't know, maybe, I don't know if it was that match, but regardless, they lost the match and they were laying beat and broken in, in the middle of the ring at the end. And, um, they announced next week or something Stone Cold Steve Austin is going to blah, blah, blah in the arena. And the crowd went nuts. They're, hey, Stone Cold. They heard the name Stone Cold and they started chanting Austin, whatever. Mm. So the following week on TV, Cactus Jack comes out and tells his story, he sits down in the chair and tells his story about how he's disappointed in the fans and everything that – he gave his all for everybody and, and he's laying there in the middle of the ring and they didn't even care. They chanted someone else's name and it's going to be the, this is going to be the last time you see Cactus Jack in the ring for a long time. He puts down the mic and he walks out sad and the crowd's chanting, you know, that they want, don't go and all that. And it looks like he's leaving. It looks like he's all right. I'm, I'm going to be gone for a while. Mm. Then I don't know if it was later that night or the following week, but then Vince McMahon reveals his champion or his his challenger for Stone Cold, and here's Dude Love in a suit. So it's not even just you know wacky tie dye guy. <laughs> it was it was literally this as mankind or as Cactus Jack. He was like the heart and soul, the the fans, the every everyday worker kind of guy. That well, not even worker, but he was just someone that the fans could connect to. Then he gives that brilliant promo like he, again it's one of those it's worth going back to listen to because he, he really had the gift of gab he, he's incredible on the mic but he gives this brilliant promo saying he's leaving he's turning his back on the fans because they turned his back on him and he comes back the corporate shill he's the sellout he went in you know for money as the uh the foil to to steve austin 
So then they had that match. It was it was a great match. Uh, you know, nothing nothing too. It was a typical Steve Austin match. I don't know if you've ever seen a match that of his where he just basically kicks the shit out of people until they cheat, and then he's down for a little while, and then he gets up and he kicks the shit out of people and hits a stunner. That's you know, <laughs> but that's what everyone paid to see. Right. That's what the crowd came to see, and yeah, so it was uh, you know exactly what you wanted from him, and he was good at it again, putting people over. So that was one of the stepping stones for Steve Austin as he continued to uh, add to his list of names, his rise to the top. So, yeah, no, I dug it. Very nice. He had an act, and they, they, again, they didn't mention The Rock, but between Stone Cold, <clears throat> maybe not Stone Cold, maybe he would have been where he was no matter what. But I don't think Triple H or The Rock get to the same level without Foley and the, the two of them. Like the, the that other triple or, or that triangle was kind of the next main event below Steve Austin versus fill in the blank. Right. Then it was those three. And I think the three of them each elevated each other so that when Stone Cold did retire, he got hurt, that they were able to seamlessly hit the ground running. Brock was the main guy and then he left and no problem. Triple H will run run the show for the next decade. And Mick Foley was there to make them all look good. Yeah. Yeah, he got his, like, his his title wins were kind of lifetime achievement awards, awards in a way. But, yeah, he was there to, to stand on my back. I will say one of the, one of the, at least for me, cringier moments, I haven't gone back to look at it, it was the Rock and Sock Connection. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. It's like I get it, and now that now that I can see more of what was going on behind the scenes at that period in time, it's like, all right, I get it. <laughs> and also, like, it, it must be crazy to McFoley that here I am for I don't know how long it was, fifteen years, putting my body on the line the amount of injuries I've sustained and all I had to do was put a fucking sock on my hand this whole time. And I, <laughs> the hell was I thinking? <laughs> I got to put a sock on my hand and really not even wrestle. I could just kind of run around the outside of the ring and hold my sock puppet up in the crowd cheers. <laughs> that was, uh, that's, that's similar to, um, when I was watching a couple of different things to see what, what uh, we could talk about, uh, there's a fun one. Uh, I'll send it to you. It's ten best uh, rebranding in W uh, in ECW of WWE talent or something like that, and Al Snow. Okay. Just how just every yeah, yeah everybody just bought into how fucking silly this was of him just talking to a mannequin head that he found backstage yeah. one night to the point yeah the crowd brought mannequins yeah, yeah mannequin heads to the show yeah. across the board and then it got him back into WWE <laughs> yeah <laughs> he just had to bring the mannequin head with him yeah. you gotta bring your tag team uh, partner with you. <laughs> <laughs> and that wrestling walks such a fine line between tongue and cheek and because 
because everybody knows we all have to know on this at this point but at the same time i don't want to be reminded that i know i i i want to buy in i want to you know fall in with you guys and play along yeah i know it's silly too but the second that then you go huh and you know kind of wink at the camera yeah. and it, it, yeah it takes you out of it's it it's too far it takes me out. It, 100% yeah. it takes you right out of it the uh like and I I loved the the uh, <laughs> it's probably one of my favorite twenty plus year old jokes <laughs> that I have, yeah. but of watching ECW the first time and like watching it with you guys and every time something awesome would happen everybody would chant ECW like people would like hang over the thing and chant ECW at you it's like <laughs> you met in someone's face yeah you be- imagine being at your job like you imagine being at work this week and be like, like we did real good delivering this pizza and everybody that liked the pizza came in and just new cheese pizza new cheese pizza new cheese pizza at you because you did a good job at your job <laughs> well yeah when you got a good tip yeah. all of a sudden they come out of the bushes <laughs> Oh, you did good today? Let me say where you work yeah. at you. <laughs> I love that. Or like if, if you want to get gas and the prices were good. Exxon, Exxon, Exxon. Just chant because you like, you like this organization <laughs> and the employees. You guys have a nice pricing plan. I like what you're doing here. <laughs> I'm going to scream where you work at you. And I mean, and that's one of the things that at the time it was, it was super cool. But if you go back and watch ECW now, it's a little bit more cringy and, and there's a lot of uh, uh, crash TV type Jerry Springer type stuff going on. And the crowd chanting ECW, I think is why, because it was like, I'm a fan of this. It's not so much that <clears throat> like Steve Austin I bought in and I want him to win. I'm cheering for Steve Austin to beat his opponent. Even though I know this is all fake, I'm still, that's the guy I want to see win this match versus I came to see an ECW show. I don't necessarily care who wins, who loses. I don't necessarily care about the storylines. I just want to see the action and, and the violence that I've, that I was promised and I've come to expect because now instead of a good story, you got a top last show. Right. Yeah, it's you can swap out writing for crazy shit. But just like writing, you have to keep doing you have to keep up in your game. Like you have yeah. to keep figuring out a way to make it fucking cooler. And that doesn't go infinitely. That doesn't scale. I guess is a good way to put and it. No, certainly not when the one part that would benefit you is if that part was faked like the crazy <laughs> right yeah if, if the if the gravity part wasn't real or whatever <laughs> the uh like like walking dead people are so emotionally invested in that they know it's fake but yeah. you can escalate yeah at a certain level but like if if you're having people actually Captain America yeah. tried to choke a robot and everyone was fine with it <laughs> because they bought in to the emotional investment because of the story. Like, <laughs> he, 
He was frozen in the 40s. He doesn't know that he can't choke robots. That's right, yeah. That's the plot of the Avengers. (laughs) 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 He keeps going into the no, 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 no. You do you remember? Come here, Cap. Do you do you remember how you couldn't choke the last robot? (laughs) This is also a robot. You can't do that. It's okay. I know you've been asleep for a while, but you can't choke robots. <laughs> he writes it in his pad. <laughs> choke robots. It's it's just he flips to a page that says "can't choke," and robots is like the eighth thing down. <laughs> it's like babies, <laughs> women, chickens, <laughs> dolphins, eggs. <laughs> Dolphins, but it's scribbled yeah. out. <laughs> Porpoises. <laughs> oh, that's a good place to tap out. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I don't know if we're going to speak of not being able to top what you did last. <laughs> uh, yeah, under the guise of Facebook. <laughs> under the guise of Facebook. Yep. <laughs> That's, it. That's the plug. Under the guise of Facebook. Under the guise of science at Gmail, Facebook, and Instagram. Under the guise of science on YouTube, on uh, TikTok, and at Science Guys on Twitter. Guys always spelled G U I S. You motherfuckers won't make us. You, you won't like this enough to make us get a new all of that for this show prove us wrong yeah and also normally we say listen to fart barf but this song this theme song is different so i will say if you see marty janetti give him a buck that's reasonable that's reasonable and i'll let uh yeah (laughs) i'll go out on that (laughs) 